Happy Monday, fight fans. The Couchside Judges are back in the booth. I'm Scott Fontana, joined as always by my dude, Dan Urban, set to break down the judging from the final Fight Island event before the UFC packs up and returns to Nevada next weekend. Great card overall, with most of the whopping 15 fights delivering the violence and technique we all expect at the sport's highest level. That definitely describes Robert Whitaker's win over Darren Till in the main event. Although one of us believes Till has a good case to have earned the win. Scott and I will break that one down off the jump, as well as the co-feature trilogy bout between Mauricio Shogun Hua and Lil Nog, Antonio Rogerio Noguera. And we'll have some reactions to the many finishes, including the win by blue chip prospect, Kamzat Shemaev. Dan, before we even dive into this, I just want to say that I was very concerned about how we were going to put a show together with 15 fights coming up here on, on, on this last Fight Island card because I was expecting the horror show of, oh, there's like five or six decisions from the prelims that nobody's watching or going to remember after 15 fights. But we're definitely going to talk about them because they're all split decisions and close. And, and you know, that's what we do. That's what we like to do. But I'm really glad that everything went so smoothly, so easy, that we only really need to break down three of the top four fights. Yeah, so why don't we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with the main event with Whitaker and Till. So this one, unanimous call, 48-47 for Robert Whitaker, right? Yep. I had rounds two, three, and five for Whitaker, and I had two judges that supported that exact card, Ben Cartledge and Clemens Werner. You disagreed. I agreed on rounds one through four with them. Right. I did not agree. But you thought that Till won the fight. I thought he won round five. And the fight. That, yeah, that gives him the fight, yes. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, I, well, we'll talk about Yeah, we'll get more into it. I think if we judge the fight as a whole, I think Whitaker wins. But round by round, I gave it to Till. For sure. And you know what? We're not going to start in round five because round four, actually, even though Dan and I were united, there was a dissenting judge, Anders Olsen, who gave round four to Whitaker instead of Till, as most of us did. Close round, though, right? It was close. I just didn't think Whitaker landed anything all that significant, while Till, he also didn't land that much because this was a very calculated round, uh, as was the entire fight. Yes. Well, especially the last three rounds. When he did throw, I thought they were the more impactful strikes, especially uh, towards the middle of the round. He landed that three or four punch combo, which seemed to be like the most impactful strikes of the entire round. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think that's pretty much one of the incidents that, that gave me a good reason to give it to Till. I saw impact from both. I think in such a close round, I don't have any problem with Olsen seeing it for Whitaker, but uh, but I do I do agree. I think Till he really just found better success in that round. Yeah, I won't agree. I won't uh, disagree with that assessment. But round five, though, and I'm not saying this wasn't a close round. Razor close, in fact, is what how I would classify this. But you and I obviously disagreed, and you also had Olsen on your side in this case. Yeah, Anders joined me in this one. I think this round really came down uh, to two things. What did you score heavier? Did you score those two calf kicks heavier? Or did you score Darren Till's elbow, which opened up Whitaker? I went with the latter, and that's what brings me to my decision. I don't think it's as simple as that. Like, you know, this wasn't a high action round. A lot of them weren't high action rounds. It was very technical. A lot of a lot of traps and feints, like they were talking about on the broadcast, stuff that's above my pay grade as far as being able to break down from a striking perspective. But I mean, I recognize when someone gets hit. I can tell you that much. And there was enough success, I think, from both that 
it doesn't just settle down to those two calf kicks versus the the cut that opened up on on Whitaker's uh, the side of his head. I think it was close. I did favor Whitaker's leg kicks, which they were clearly impacting Till. And as we found later, he had already torn up his knee in this fight. So the fact that we were only noticing how bad it was affecting Till in round five to the high degree it was, that shows how well he was able to mask it for a while. But uh, I gave no real wait till when uh, Whitaker would take a shot and then he he not get the shot. So he just throw an overhand right which would seem to like maybe graze him. I didn't think those were impactful really at all. No, I agree, but but I think he was finding more of a home than you realize. And even if you look at the striking numbers at the end, he did outstrike Till in this round as well as he did in most of the rounds. So he's landing something. I just didn't think they were as strong. Those light kicks no, for sure were strong. The rest of they it were. I really they, did not were, think for sure. was that impactful. No, that's fine, but I I think you still have to score them even if they're not as much if there's, you know, lower degree of significant strikes coming from each each person you still grade them and if they start to pile up on one side and i'm not saying you don't know this but but looking at it this way i think whitaker was able to build up a good lead that okay he had that cut there but he really wasn't hurt it's good damage especially visual damage but it was off to the side of his head it wasn't going to get in his eyes or or, you know force a a stoppage or anything like that i was just kind of it was just kind of a bleeder spewing all over the place i thought as far as impact on the fight I thought that Whitaker was more impactful on a whole for sure. Yeah. And, you know, round, you can't, even, you can't so. even really be all that mad with the result, even if you saw it a different way. Right. I'm not dying on this hill. Whitaker. <laughs> I mean, the fight was too close. So give up the hill, man. <laughs> now, what about let's move on to the co-main event here, because this one didn't go the way that you and I thought it did uh, as far as the result here. We had Shogun getting the split decision nod over Lil Nog. Lil Nog still going out 0-3 against Shogun. And it's a shame because these were close fights. And this one in particular, I thought he had a really great case to get the win. <laughs> yeah, I had him winning this one as well. This is uh I'm glad he went out on a fun fight though. It's at least Oh, at least oh yeah. I mean these were these were all fun fights. And you know, anytime these two, you know, old pride warriors get together, it's a fun fight. But before we even dive into why we thought that Nogueira won the fight. First, we'll just say that you and I both thought that he won the first two rounds. These are the rounds that we're going to talk about. But what I think is a really interesting quirk about these two rounds is that Lil Nog got 10-9 from two judges in each round. But because he only got both rounds from one judge, it didn't do him enough favors so that when he lost round three, and he clearly did, he ended up losing the fight. Wow, yeah, that is, I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a very strange thing where I mean we saw this um we revisited an old Valentina Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunes fight and the same thing happened here where Shevchenko ended up winning two out of the three judges but on, on three separate rounds at least and she still lost because she didn't have three she didn't have two judges that thought that she won three rounds. It just was not the way it worked out. It's a, it's a very strange quirk and like hole in the, the 10 nine system, but it just, it is what it is. Yeah, that it is strange, but why don't we jump right into round one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's talk about round one, Ben Cartledge again, and Mark Collette. They saw this one for Nogueira, whereas David Leatherby gave it to Shogun. I didn't think it was all that unclear as a, as a Nogueira round, but I do see a small argument. What about you? 
I definitely think this was a little Nog's round. Yeah. It was a bit a bit of a feeling out process for like the first half of the round. It was, yeah, like know, the whole first half was yeah. very boring. Shogun threw a couple inside leg kicks. I think. That... Yeah, I, I think I gave him a slate edge at that point. You know, I, when I watched it again, this is what I was seeing as well. Yeah, but once Lil Nog, you know, started feeling his rhythm, he, he was getting into his box and he was landing some good strikes. You know, they were impactful. Who was backing up pretty often. There was a good 15-second kind of burst in the final minute where Lil Nog really looked like he was pouring it on Shogun to the best of his ability. It was like one of his last stands as a professional fighter. Uh, but then Shogun gets that takedown and kind of stifled it just a little bit, right? I feel the takedown was a result of the strikes. I do too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a reactionary takedown, 100%. Yeah, beautiful takedown, no outside trip. It was, yeah. Shogun, Shogun has that takedown. It's it, he's so underrated with his ability to get that kind of takedown in a fight because you don't think of him as a wrestler, but I mean, it's not necessarily a you know an American wrestling takedown that you think of, but it's it's a good takedown nonetheless. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I I do see where Shogun had his moments, and there were points in the round where we, I had him up, but I just I didn't think that there was a good argument for Shogun in that round. Yeah, I, he just didn't do enough really, and. He had really negative reactions to little Nog strikes. He did. And Nog, I, th- I just thought he took it in the final minute. I thought it was clear that he took a very close round. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, I agree. You know, it's disappointing. Um, Leatherby obviously saw something that we didn't. Uh, it is what it is. Round two, though. This was a round that, once again, two judges gave it to Nogira. That was Mark Collette and David Leatherby, whereas Ben Cartledge, in one of the rare instances from Fight Island where he actually dissented from the other judges he was almost always in the majority which is a mark of a good judge he did dissent here and gave the 10-9 to shogun and this i thought was a closer round at least in the first i thought this was a, a very close round yeah why exactly i think nog edged it they were both landing some good strikes and i saw nog get a bit stumbled on a couple strikes from hua there was one i remember very shortly before that kind of weird shoulder strike takedown weird collision that they had that they ended up both on the ground it wasn't really a takedown it wasn't a knockdown it just kind of happened yeah 15 yards in the watered down nfl (laughs) but that that was there was the one right there and then there was one a little later after they got back up but i didn't think that nog was all that hurt from them because especially that first one which looked to be one the one of the two that looked more impactful came right back he did and that's what you Day. Right, he just he it just was a stumble, so it's a clear. Oh wow, that landed. That, sure, that was a solid no, strike. without question. But you definitely want to see the response being more offense and not you know shaking back, retreating right, and trying yeah. to figure it out again. You know that that's the mark that okay, I'm still in this. So. Yeah. But again, this really close round. He did get tagged those times, but I thought Nogueira, especially, um, you know, he was landing from the guard a little bit, and that you know when they were more than a minute when they were down there. Shogun, yes, he gets back and he starts to have kind of a little bit more good offense. But then Nogueira shines into boxing again. I thought he really punctuated the round. Yeah, I thought I thought Lil Nog definitely edged it uh, towards the end. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, yeah, we agree here, obviously. And again, we're talking about two rounds where Nogueira won on two of the three cards. You would think that usually that means he's winning, but again, because of the structure, that's not how it worked. He also very clearly lost the third round. There's no argument for him in that round. No. I think if it was. If he was able to have at least been able to steal one judge away to give him that round, he's going out on a high note. But unfortunately, it just it wasn't meant to be. I just wish that round didn't end up the final minute of it end up on the ground the way it did. 
I'd like to see yeah, him bang it out nice. to finish it, but no, what can you do? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that again, because of this quirk, you know, it, it happens infrequently. Um, but you know, it's a fight like this where you really do feel bad for the loser because it's almost like he won from a certain point of view, to quote Obi Wan. All right, but you know, enough enough for Lil Nog, who will miss. You know, I enjoyed him, especially the difference between him. Real quick, before we move on to uh, Carlos Barza against Marina Rodriguez, is that he was a much better boxer than his big brother, Big Nog. Oh, excuse me. Then, <laughs> then his much larger brother, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, the legend. Uh, but he was he was a better boxer, not. Not distinctly so, I guess, but he he was definitely that was what I think of him when it comes to him being a good mixed martial artist. Yes, they had the ground game. Yes, they both could box, but I did think that that's where he stood out. So, um, and I think he did get to show that off. So I'm glad. Yeah, that was, this was a fine fight for him to go out. It would have just been nice to see him get the W because we know Shogun's going to fight again. Shogun's going to fight a few more times, and, and I'm glad for that too. I like Shogun. I always have. Um, all right, so let's move on to Esparza Rodriguez, and I know. You're not looking forward to this one because you're not a big fan of what Esparza brings to the table. But this was a split decision. We got to talk about that. Yeah. Round one and round two were the rounds that I think we really dispute here. So how did you stream round one? Round one, I thought Esparza had it for pretty much most of the round. And then she decides to dive on uh, one of the worst ankle locks I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's not even close. And then she just eats punches for the rest of the round. And more damaging than anything she threw the entire first four minutes and loses the round yeah i thought this was actually a, a pretty clear one for rodriguez because even though esparza was on top for three minutes sitting in guard you know she was active not landing hard rodriguez was active from the bottom too maybe less active than esparza but often landing harder uh you know she opened up that big cut on esparza's forehead too or was it was it her brow yeah swelled her eye up yeah i mean there's damage there that's that's okay. visible damage you know she's hitting um, and then when she sits back for that leg lock, obviously the tables turn and she just, she just got lit up for the last, what was it? Minute or so, especially after they stood back up and Rodriguez is able to finally land at distance. Keep. Yeah. Oh my God. The I, effective striking was just, it was, it was all Rodriguez. As far as you talk about effective striking, that's Rodriguez. Yeah. I didn't see anything effective from Esparza. She looked busy. Uh, was she landing that hard? Uh, no, I see why Esparza got the round from Cartledge and Clemens Werner, but I strongly disagree. I, I'm definitely in line with Anders Olsen here. Rodriguez, 10-9. Same for you. Yeah, if she doesn't dive on that ankle, I would have had to give it to Esparza. That turned, that I agree, yeah. She, she probably would have been able to survive. Just low fight IQ, uh, which is stunning from a former UFC champion, but it is what it is. Round two, this one we had a little bit more support in seeing 10-9 Rodriguez here because Cartledge and Olsen saw it the same way as you and I, right? Yeah, this almost identical round. Very similar. Yeah, a, a little bit different because they were on the feet longer to start. Right. It was about two minutes where Rodriguez, I mean, not quite teeing off, but she's certainly landing very well. Yeah, she, she pieced her up pretty good. She did. She was more impactful, you know. She landed. Uh, it's almost like Esparza doesn't throw any power behind any punch. Unless she just doesn't I don't, have I don't any know power. if it's just a lack of commitment to, you know, trying to put more power into it, or she'd rather just kind of use her striking to allow her to set up the takedowns, which is probably what it is. You know, that that is her bread and butter. She's good at that. She absolutely is. Even when she's on top, all her strikes, they look so weak. I... This round, I thought she was actually landing some good ones. I actually did. 
She landed some nice punches from guard from at, at times. Maybe the elbows, but yeah, the elbow, the elbow for sure. Um, but you're right. It's uh, there was a lot of kind of that body head, body head, you know, pitter patter. I don't want to call it pitter patter, but just punches that weren't necessarily as committed to as the elbows that were flying in her face. So it was dives on uh, another ankle. <laughs> she does this again. You're right. This is where it's identical. This one actually looked like it was a decent attempt here. Until she started eating one. more punches to her face, and it was just clear these were the most effective strikes of the fight. Yeah, and of the of the round, and uh, I think it was a clear Rodriguez uh, round for me. I thought it was a clear Rodriguez round. I thought it was a clear Rodriguez win. But I will say this because again, I do see the argument for Esparza in each round. I just think it was I'm not as strong an argument as I think I can make. Um, but. Rodriguez needs to stop takedowns. I know it's Esparza's bread and butter, like I said, but if she can't stay off her back, she can't win. You know, it's it's a lot harder to look good striking from the bottom, even when you're throwing really good strikes and elbows, because it's just not as clear. It definitely isn't as clear as evident here, which I mean, you can't even blame the judges. I mean, how difficult must it be to see those strikes from the bottom? You know, they do have monitors damage. there, and I know they're using them. At least some of some of the judges are. Um, so they are some, some of them are seeing the view that we get at home and they're obviously getting the benefit of the noise. So maybe there's things we're missing in there too. We do have to take that in mind. Um, they get a better view. They get a better experience. They're right there. Judging in person is much different as it is watching at home as you're excited to find out. I know you're trying to, to shadow judge, uh, in August, if you can make that happen. Uh, I haven't heard back, so. Well, I hope it works out, but <laughs> at some point, you know you're going to, um, and I hope I am too. So you have to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in mind, but at the same time, we're looking at home. The evidence we have says Rodriguez should have won that fight. That's what it is. Yep, moving on. Moving on to 10-8 watch because we did have one round here that got one 10-8 from one judge, and that was round two of Francisco Trinaldo against Jai Herbert. Now, this fight ended in round three by TKO, and we'll talk about the nature of that TKO in just a moment. But for now, let's talk about round two where Herbert looked great. Yeah, Herbert was on fire. He dropped him in the first 10 seconds of the round. Yeah, I looked like it looked like he was almost on his way to if he was able to keep it going, some sort of, you know, 10-7 kind of situation again. Because when you see the immediate impact of, of a knockdown so early, that's what they kind of start setting the tone for a 10 7. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely on pace. Yeah, it, it didn't just, get there. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> I don't want anyone to think we're trying to push for a 10 7 in this round. No. Didn't happen. Not a 10 7. But it was it's one of those things you want to see right off the bat. They're getting a knockdown or something, putting yeah. them in real danger. Then he, he gets the back for a while. He was uh, attacking some rear naked chokes. He landed some, great choke attempt. Yeah. Some uh, decent punches. But I they thought, did get back up. I thought he shined on the feet. I thought that's where he was the most damaging and dominant was on the feet. Absolutely. I can see this being a borderline 10-8, which is why I understand why only one judge maybe gave it the 10-8. But I was comfortable giving it a 10-8 watching live. I'm comfortable standing on that hill right now. I think we'll defend this hill, okay? Yeah, I'm with you on the 10-8. I think this is a round where you don't have to give a 10-8, but I think it's one that has to be considered. Yes, I think you're right. That's that's a really good assessment. This would be a 10-8 in the Couchside Judges system. where uh, Definitely. Where we would call it maybe a heavy 10-9, right. borderline 10-8. You could say, okay, it's a 10-8. Um, but yeah, we, you and I, we were united with David Leatherby here. Cartledge and Colette 
They saw it as the 10-9, and I have no problem with that. That's a 10-9 to them. That's okay with me. But 10-8, yeah, I, I feel good about that too. Um, now we have to talk about the stoppage in this fight where Trinaldo comes back after getting potential 10-8-ed, yeah. and he just flattens <laughs> Herbert. Clobbers but, him. But someone who was refereeing this fight, whose first name probably is also Herbert, goes by Herb Dean, stopped this fight in what I thought was plain and simple a bad stoppage i just did i i don't i don't like to call out refs too hard for stoppages because it's heat of the moment but this one i thought was a bad one this was definitely not good he he posted some on instagram trying to explain himself a little bit and before you go on i really just want to point out how much i give him credit for actually giving us some transparency in explaining a little bit and he says he'll explain further what the thought process was there. You never see that because I know it's frowned upon uh, from com- from commissions and, and things like that. So I was very pleased to see him being able to do that. Right, yeah. He explained, you know, the fighter fell. He had both arms up in air and he had a leg in the air and his head was off the mat. So that tells him that he's still with it. I disagree. I don't think there was any coming back from that. But I also have an assessment that I think is pretty accurate that if Trinaldo just kept throwing and not hesitated... We're not even talking about this as a remotely late stoppage or a bad stoppage because Herb Dean's probably coming right in there and barreling him over and saying, this fight's over, this fight's over. You might be right. You might be right. And then it kind of would have looked better. But what I think makes this one especially look visually poor as far as stoppages go is the fact that Trinaldo stops. Right. He's definitely stopping because he sees his opponent is out. This isn't you and I sitting at home being like, is he out? Is he not? This is a fighter who I don't think is trying to play a game. I don't think he's trying to get Herb to stop it when it's not warranted. I think he looked at this guy because he's 41 years old and he's been in fights probably for 25 years. And he said, okay, I know the lights are off. I don't want to hurt him. And then, and Dean basically said, okay, I don't think he's out. You got to keep going, dude. And then he had to do it. So there was definitely a moment where it wasn't heat of the moment anymore. Herb Dean gets to evaluate this a little bit further before more damage is, is put forth. And I think he made a mistake in allowing it to continue. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just I just think that him, Trinaldo, stopping confused Herb Dean. Like, well, what's going on? It took him a minute to actually assess what was happening. I don't and... know if it confused him. I mean, the man's been in situations like this before. We've, we've seen some gifts being posted on Twitter today of past fights where similar situations, and not just with him, but with other refs. It happened. Look, Herb Dean has a long track record of success in the fight game. He's not a bad referee, but I do think this is a bad stoppage because it's not even a split second decision anymore. He got the time to evaluate and he still said, keep going. Yeah. I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just trying to, to see what's going through his head, trying to just throw and, out all the possibilities. Absolutely should. That's fair. So, but yeah, yeah I do. Th- I'm, I'm with you. I think it wasn't a good stoppage. I will say this isn't really in Herb Dean's defense here, but this this kind of goes along with his point that he was trying to make in his video that he posted earlier today is that when he hears someone saying stop the fight from outside, especially in an empty arena where there's only so few people there uh, who can even say that. And most of them are working professionals. You know, if he hears that, that could be confusing. I, I take him at his word on that. We, we've never been trained as refs, but, you know, we've spoken to refs before and I imagine they would probably agree with that assessment of the situation dan hardy especially needed to keep a little more level head in there you know we've seen commentators during the pandemic with these empty arenas 
inserting themselves into the proceedings in the cage a little more than I would like. In this case, it was a lot more than I would like, even though I agreed with why he was doing it. I just don't think that's a good precedent to be setting. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think uh, there's only a few that really are recognizing what that what they're saying it can be uh, used, whether the fighter's using it, the ref's using it. I uh, think all the play-by-play guys get it. I think John Anik, Brendan Fitzgerald, John Gooden, I think they understand it. I think DC realized early on that people were hearing him, and he yeah, tried to scale it back, and I appreciate it. him. Yeah. He's a... Daniel Cormier is a loud man. He can't do that much about it. It's it's really it's kind of who he is. And and if you're one of those guys who's a loud talker, I mean, you can't control yourself and when you're just not thinking about it, and that's okay. But I do appreciate he recognized it. I think Paul Felder's fine. I don't like what Michael Bisping is doing because he's been doing it a little while, and now it's easier for him to execute because there's no one in the arena. So now he can really insert himself, and I don't like that. Uh, and then Dan Hardy, I think he just got caught up in this moment. He's, I don't think that's usually what he's like, but it, it still was not the best. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get through the lightning rounds where we can just uh, run down real quick. Yeah, real quick, just a few other rounds that some of the judges disagreed. There were minor minority arguments that we're not going to fight too much here. Ramazan Amiev getting the unanimous decision over Nicholas Stoll's round one. I thought that this was for Amiev. So did Ben Cartledge and Clemens Werner, whereas Amiv. Vito Paolillo gave it to Stoles. Did you give it to Stoles or did you go with Amiv? Uh, Amiv. Yeah, I thought I thought Stoles hurt him late, but it wasn't enough. So I felt pretty good. I, there was a body of work for Amiv, and I think that was enough. Yeah, it, it didn't wipe out what uh, what Amiv did throughout the round. And it was really the only offense that we had from Stoles that made a big difference in that fight. It, right. was, it was a total Amiv fight, almost bell to bell. Panny Kanzad getting the unanimous nod over Beche Cohea. Round two was the only round that anyone could have conceivably gave to Cohea, but I did not think it was a great one. I thought Kianzed took it. So did Lucas Bosaki and Werner, whereas Leatherby went for Cohea. What about you? I went for Kianzed. Uh, I thought it was a competitive round. I, I can see somewhat of an argument for Cohea. I thought what happened here was Kianzed slipped after she was doing some nice work standing. Cohea gets on top. She's landing a little bit on top, but it wasn't that bad. And they got back up and she continued to get lit up by Kianza. That's how I saw it. I thought this was a pretty easy call. Yeah, Kohea, but I get the, I get the minority argument. I, yeah, Kohea had some uh, offense on the feet. Nothing great, but uh, uh, not that much for me. I, I didn't think it was enough, All but right. that's fair. I, you you ended up you did give it to Kianza, though. Yes. Yeah, but okay, you see you probably see the argument better than I do, but I do see it, too. The last one being most of our Evloev. Got the unanimous nod over Mike Grundy. Now, I had this round won for Grundy. The only round that he could have won. So did Leatherby. What about you? I went with Evloev. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you saw it the majority way with Posaki and Paolillo here. Very close. Yeah, really. The reason I went there is because I thought Grundy had those excellent choke attempts. Evloev, well, he, only, well, he, only he had, had to work one. hard to escape those. He only had one choke attempt. Well, I guess it was the one. That's true. Um, But... It, it was very tight choke. It was a very tight choke, and and I thought he had some good grappling overall there. But you know, Evlov he clearly won the striking, especially later in the round. And you know, I'm fine with this going either way. That's it didn't matter because yeah, Evlov definitely yeah. won the fight. I don't really care what which way you go for the sense the arguments both ways. It didn't matter. It, it was a round one, which you know, round one means more than round three in a fight. That's you know, a no brainer. But nonetheless, there were some undisputed fights where all the judges saw everything right. 
no controversy. We all saw it the same way. Nathaniel Wood getting 30-27 over John Castaneda. Good fight. No question asked. It was definitely Wood bell to bell. Uh, but it, it was a fun fight. And also, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, he also got 30-27s unanimously over Peter Sabata. No questions there. Great job overall by the judges, though, throughout Fight Island. I I have to credit the international judges that we just don't get to see as often because they're not always going internationally, especially to the same places. So we got a really good look at, you know, very qualified judges such as Ben Cartledge, Clemens Werner, Lucas Bosaki, Anders Olsen, Mark Collette. I thought they were all really, really good. Uh, And I agreed with them the most when I looked back at, at the way we scored all these uh, 51 fights that we saw here I thought they did a really great job yeah they they did fine and, and people disagree vehemently because of the way this started with Holloway and Volkanovsky which by the way I'm going to reiterate is not a robbery by any stretch not of the imagination. a robbery there was no crime there's no police report get over it <laughs> but I, I have to say in particular I want to highlight Cartledge and Werner who agreed with their fellow judges the most often. They were, I think they were in step about 95% of the time, roughly. Uh, that's pretty solid. That's, I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot better. You're going to disagree once in a while. So, you know, these are two judges that if you don't know judges that well, I think you really need to understand that these guys are seeing it the same way as their peers. You may not like judges, but this is what we have, and they're seeing it the same way. There's something that's adding up. It just is. Yeah, absolutely. And kudos, I should also remind everybody, to Mark Collette for handing out a 10-7 to Chimaev. The man. The man. Mr. 10-7, right? Isn't that what you call him? Yeah, Mr. 10-7. Speaking of Mr. 10-7. Mr. 10-7 was my favorite finish of Fight Island 3, the final one from Fight Island. He just mauled Reese McKee. Only took him three minutes or so, right? I've never seen a fighter get shut out in an entire fight. Uh, for for a fight that went for three that long, minutes? yeah, yeah. For, yeah. for a fight that lasted <laughs> McKee, that long, McKee did not attempt offense. There were no strike attempts. There were no takedown attempts. There was no, you know, actual passes of the guard. It was just him playing defense for 189 seconds and eating 68 strikes from Chimaev before eventually. It was just too much, and the guy couldn't take it anymore. Absolute mauling. Uh, he, and this dude, he came in with hype because he was trying to get his second win in 10 days and break the record from Chaz Skelly, and he did so. And, you know, This was kind of one of those no-brainer things. When you walked into it, you're like, well, I know this guy's going to win, uh, and yeah. he did. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is absolutely worth the hype, and it's because he's earning it in the cage, not with his mouth, not with his social media, but with his ability yeah we'll do the talking for him we'll do the talking for him but you know what he actually he's i think he's very charming he, i think he's, he's very a, charming he, when he talks he's kind guy. of he's kind of low-key but he's very coolly confident in sort of a similar way to khabib which is who everybody obviously compares him to they have very similar games it's not they're not they're not one-to-one but there are similarities between the two of course and i see the demeanor there too yeah he's very confident in himself I said it after his last fight. He looks like a future champ at either 170 or 185 pounds. Maybe both. You know, who's to stop him? Sounds like he's okay with chasing both of them. They asked him on the broadcast after the win. Certainly seems like that's an attainable goal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even talk about this already. He, he might crazy. be fighting in a, in two weeks, they said. 
they're saying he, he want to put him on that that August fifteenth uh, UFC two fifty two. I think they just want to keep promoting him. You put him on pay per view, you're gonna get more eyeballs on him, and and sure enough, it's you know, hopefully we're gonna make a real star through his work in the cage. Now, being fair, he hasn't beaten anybody you know remotely close to the rankings or anything like that. You know, John Phillips, you know, he's a solid middleweight, and and uh, and Reese McKee, you know, he's he's a fine prospect from what i understand from the european mma community but i also understand he's kind of more of a lightweight yeah he took this fight yeah. at, at welterweight just because it was an opportunity so i don't want to build it up that he should be fighting anybody in the rankings yet i, I want to see him should. fight against and um, what's that i think he should oh you do okay well you know i i, I want to push the, him i want to slow the hype train just a little bit i'll okay? put him against yeah. usman tomorrow <laughs> but the, the the funny thing you say about that is there's not enough tape on Shemaev for Usman to really plan for. So he's really just got to hope that he can stop the wrestling and then see how it goes. It, it almost puts the champ at a disadvantage to put him in there right now. But, it, you know, if he's more skilled, he'll win. But I do think you got to bring him on a little slower. You want to you want to let him fight a bunch. That's fine. He's still a prospect. He's only got eight fights. So, you know, if he fights six times this year, great. He's a prospect. This is what they do. So I want to see him. Maybe not in their next fight because I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to protect him a little bit. But I want to see him against an American with a wrestling background. And I want to see what he'll do if he meets some resistance in the takedowns. Maybe he's maybe he's going to floor him anyway, but I still want to see it. Yeah, I'm very excited to see him. All right. And enough about Shemaev. You've heard about him for days. You're going to hear about him some more in August. But what other of these seven finishes, five in the first round, did you like on this card? I had quite a few that I could choose. My top finish, though, was Fabricio Verdum armbarring Alexander Gustafson. I really admired the confidence Verdum had in his jiu-jitsu. Oh, why wouldn't he? <laughs> well, no, well, he had the back. That's like the ultimate position. He abandoned yeah. the back to attack an armbar and then got rolled up and never abandoned it from there. He just knew it was a matter of time before he was he able to roll him over, break the grip, extend the arm and get the tap he it was very admirable you're right you're right i i can't fold anything you're saying it, you know you love to see arm bars in mma you know kind of old school you know jujitsu really playing a part in the proceedings of a fight right now especially on the men's side uh but yeah i mean that was that's a good way for him to head into free agency yeah we'll, we'll see where he ends up do you like anything else do you have any other like kind of honorable mentions or anything yeah honorable mention i had a lot to choose from but uh i went with Paul Craig's triangle. I love seeing triangles from big guys. You don't see that very often. So, he's uh, he's definitely, that's one of his specialties. Amazing. And that does it for Fight Island for a while. The Octagon Action returns to UFC Apex on Saturday, with the usual suspects of top MMA judges likely to score the action. We'll be back before Saturday's event to look ahead and probably give you guys a past judgment or two. I miss those. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana. DMs are open. Hit me up on Twitter at DanUrbanMMA. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again on Friday. Later, guys. <laughs>